fraud always capitalizes on current events to make the attempts seem more believable. Hmm. Um, so during tax season, you know, they're going to pretend to be the IRS, um, you know, the fraudulent tax preparers, things like that. It's just always important to be aware of what could be attempts hmm. to get your information and to take precautions to keep your information secure. Welcome to the Community Conversation Podcast presented by Community America Credit Union. We have a compelling and impactful story to tell, and our goal with these conversations will never be to sell you something. We would rather have an important discussion with our very talented employees, leaders, members, community partners, and experts from a variety of industries and causes to help educate and inform you. Stay tuned at the end of the podcast for some important disclosures. Welcome back to the Community Conversation presented by Community America Credit Union. I'm your host today, Justin Rickliff's friend and partner of Community America. Excited to uh, get into today's topic. So today we're going to chat about all of our favorite seasons of the year, including tax season. (laughs) Sarcasm (laughs) alert. Um, But it is upon us, whether we love it or not. Tax season is nearing. And we're joined by two experts today to help us guide through the increased fraud activity that also accompanies tax season, which isn't the most lovely friend. So we're rejoined by uh, Erica. And Erica Higgins is a uh, the senior fraud investigator at Community America. Erica, welcome back. Round two. It's it's awesome to have you back in, in on the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, for the the folks listening for the first time or members who need a re-intro to you, uh, remind us who you are and what you do at Community America. So I am the senior fraud investigator. I have been in banking for 22 years, and I've been in fraud for about six years. That sounds so amazing. What when you say senior fraud investigator, what's a what's a typical day in the life look like for you? We review accounts that have fraud or fraud attempts, and we report all of it to the government, to law enforcement. Well, welcome back. Grateful to have you again. And we're joined by a new voice and face for me, but voice for y'all listening. Uh, John Files. John is on the team as well as a fraud investigator. John, welcome to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. Give us the same question for you, my friend. Um, so I, like Erica, um, I am a fraud investigator with Community America. I've been there about 18 months in banking and about 12 months with Community America's fraud department as an investigator or as an analyst. So same thing, getting the fraud and trying to limit the losses at the credit union. That's great. I appreciate you all doing that on a daily basis. What, what is, and again, I know this is a, maybe a little bit high level and not specific to our today topic around taxes, but um, give me the the rough understanding of when, when, a, when a fraud attempt is taking place to a member, what happens from your end on the investigation side? Well, it could be A great deal of things. Um, We do have analysts that review alerts. Um, So sometimes it's online banking activity. Um, You know, they always log in from the Kansas City area. Now all of a sudden they're logging in from Nigeria. Hmm. Um, The, you know, back and forth logins, um, local, far away, um, checks that look suspicious, 
it could be a plethora of things. Yeah, the frontline team. So if a teller feels a situation is off, they can put in uh, what we call a fraud investigative request, where that goes to our analyst. Our analyst, our analyst, look at it and determine. You know, okay, yeah, I agree. Hmm. And so then they send it our way to figure out, you know, the full, we try to get the full story or the bigger picture of what is going on with the situation. Have you had a dull day in your 12 months, John? (laughs) Not one. (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) I can imagine. Well, today specifically, we've we've covered fraud in various um, episodes of the podcast, whether it's holiday spending or, or different context. And Eric, I think to tee us off again, as we're entering tax season, help us understand today's topic and what is the most important context for us to begin the conversation. Well, fraud likes to stay relevant. Um, Fraud always capitalizes on current events to make the attempt seem more believable. Hmm. Um, So during tax season, you know, they're going to pretend to be the IRS, um, you know, the fraudulent tax preparers, things like that. It's just always important to be aware of what could be attempted mm. to get your information and to take precautions to keep your information secure. So, yeah, that makes sense. And, and I love how you phrased it. Fraud likes to stay relevant based on whatever the current right. quasi-normal things that we're all experiencing, whether it's holidays, obviously, in the past or uh, at the, in this part of the year, thinking about taxes and tax returns and filing and the whole thing. So m- my practical question, I guess, is what does that look like? How do you, how do you, how do people start to see these behaviors or these attempts um, of the fraudsters to stay relevant? How does that begin to show up? So a lot of times they'll get text messages or emails from the IRS saying, you know, hey, you know, you didn't file your tax return for 2022 or 2021, the previous year. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, people click the link and go to different, you know, to put their personal information in there. And then, you know, the bad people have their information and are able to either file tax returns or, Mm. um, you know, do different things. I actually received an email just a few days ago, hmm. um, and it said it was from the IRS, and I opened it and was looking at it. It said that I um, qualified for a tax refund under IRS code blah, 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 hmm. um, and to click here to claim my refund and to do it within three days. The website or the email looked like it came from the IRS. It looked very legitimate, but the email address was not from the IRS, and I did not click there, so I don't know what happened next. (laughs) Yeah, but I I think even you do this 48-plus hours a week, and Mm -hmm. you have for years and years and years. And So I think think it's important to communicate how they've duplicated lots Mm -hmm. of the look and feel, lots of the wording, lots Mm -hmm. of the behavior. But, yeah, I'd imagine the IRS probably doesn't have a three-day – Right. Call to action to, <laughs> right. to redeem your refund. Right. I bet that's not a typical IRS.gov tactic. And nor do they email you to tell you that you have a refund. How do they communicate that? Well, I don't believe they're going to communicate that unless you file your taxes first. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, John, how are other social security numbers, personal identification numbers, how, how else are fraudsters attempting to track 
and I guess maybe I'll even back up. Why do they want that in the first place? Why do those socials and I know that's a pretty basic question, but why is that information important in the first place? Well, they want your social because that's the way that, you know, they you're tied to the IRS so they can file a tax return for you if they wish. Um, why would they do that? So they can get the money. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. they get the they get the tax return. And I was going to mention, you know, W-2s will start to come out here very soon or if you've already received it. You know, don't wait until mid-April to file your taxes because then there is a chance that somebody else could obtain your information and file before you. And then you're the one that's looking like the fraudster mm. and you have to explain to – the IRS, like, mm. no, I truly am John Files, and um, so I think that's a big thing. But just protecting, protecting that, whether it's either through technology like um, the apps to protect your usernames, passwords, to various, you know, websites and um, secure places that you hold that information. Or if it's, you know, a lockbox at home to keep your social security card in and not mm. your wallet, you know, those type of things as well as, you know, not sending your personal information through the mail. Mm. Um, last year we had reports in Kansas City of a lot of the blue mailboxes that are outside the post office mm. were um, broken into mm. and items stolen so they would steal checks, you know, whatever was in there, they could steal. And so if you had your social security number on a bill or something, they could, they have that information now. So if that happens, how does a member learn that it happens? How do they either A, prevent it? I mean, it sounds like the most common prevention method is to don't don't give it out anywhere. But let's say it is out or somebody gets a bill stolen or a W-2 hijacked from their mailbox. They get that information. Then what? Do they get alerted that that, a, that it's been submitted? Like what happens then, Erica? I think typically when people find out that they've been the victim of somebody stealing their information and filing mm -hmm. on their behalf, it's because they filed their taxes and then they get something from the IRS saying, no, you've already submitted your taxes. Mm -hmm. When, when, and if they are notified by the IRS that something has already been filed on their behalf, which obviously wasn't really their behalf, what does a member do at that point? I mean, contact the police. Clearly, their information's been compromised. Yeah, Eric. I think another avenue I'd like to explore is: Are there also ways that this fraud activity is posing as? businesses or CPAs or professionals that are helping, quote unquote, these members in our instance do their tax returns. Obviously, that's a huge piece of the American economy is, is companies that help assist in very reputable mm -hmm. professional ways file their taxes. But I guess my direct question is, have you seen an uptick in people but posing as professional legal filing help? What, what does that look like? Right. There are absolutely people that do that. I would always look for reputable companies, um, check the reviews. You can go to irs.gov and look for um, links to tax companies that you can use. Um, I would be careful using just an individual. Hmm. Um, you know, even if you do go that route, 
make sure you're reviewing your tax refund um, or your tax documents. Make sure the entire refund is going to your account. Um, sometimes they'll siphon off a small small mm. portion of it to put in their own accounts. Um, that's kind of what we see when it comes to a tax filer abusing the system. Makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. John, I'd be curious, shifting gears to, and we've mentioned this a little bit and briefly, but the ever-increasing digital footprint we're all leaving, the ever-increasing digital <laughs> environment we all embrace and are at sometimes consumed by on a daily basis, the, the, the increase in productivity on the digital environment has got to be through the roof. What are some common examples that members can look out for in terms of digital efforts at tax fraud? Yeah, so Erica already brought up the IRS email, the fake email that she received. You know, I think just looking into those, you know, I have parents that are a little bit older. They're, um, you know, they're 70-ish. And, you know, I'll have my mom call me and say, hey, I got this email. Mm. And it says, you know, something about taxes or, you know, something about something else. And I say, okay who was the actual email from? And it's normally not a reputable email. It's not something from, you know, at irs.gov or, you know, turbotax.com or the CPA that they use. Mm -hmm. It's some numbers and some letters jumbled together. So I think those are, those are big, but also, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like TurboTax and, these other companies, if they send a text message and you didn't reach out to them, then don't click the link. Mm. If you did, <laughs> you know, then mm-hmm. I think you'd be good. But, you know, always just verify. You know, I know on a lot of web browsers, in the URL at the top, you know, it has a lock that shows that this is an official secure uh, website that you can put your information into and it's it's not going to be compromised. And I think that's the biggest thing is just, you know, making sure that you're doing your due diligence in looking at these websites. And if you don't know, you know, um, you can always go to like irs.gov or, you know, instead of clicking the link, you know, oh, TurboTax sent me something. Okay, well, let me go to the actual website don't don't do it the lazy way and click yeah, the link right. and um so and i think another thing is just making sure your information is up to date so if you've changed your phone number or you know an email address within the last year or so mm. you know make sure that all that information is up to date so if you did reach out to a tax preparer that they can get in contact with you and they're not reaching out to joe smith down the street that has your new phone number. <laughs> yes, that's right. And I'm reminded of a previous fraud episode we did, and we continue to hit this theme of trust but verify. And your comment, John, yes. of of sure, there's a healthy level of trust if you're dealing with, you mentioned TurboTax or H&R Block or some mm-hmm. your specific CPA up the street who you've met and shaken his or her hand and understand they're working with you, right? Th- those those relationships are are true and but if it's posing as it just kind of feels a little weird right it, that email makes you question it just a little bit and if if it does feel 
potentially different or off base, go directly to the site, go directly to that source. Mm-hmm. And and that, that seems, if you have a login information, like the trusting that behavior in instances where it may feel uncertain is probably good advice. Yeah. And if they don't sign, back to the tax preparer, if they don't sign the tax return prior to like them taking it away from you, you know, that's a big red flag. Like they should be able to sign mm-hmm. it and be like, okay, you know, yeah, well, if they're going to submit it for you, you know, um, but make sure everything is signed, T's dotted, like Erica mentioned, you know, it's going to the right bank account um, and not some offshore account. <laughs> yeah, right. So, right. Erica, I know we've talked a lot about the privacy, like having the URL verified and locked as a secure website. Um, but are there other website tips that you would encourage members to be on the lookout for? I don't know if I would say they're tips, but, you know, verifying that the website is legitimate is very important. They create websites that mimic the real ones and they look identical. They've done it to Community America before. Hmm. Um, you know, you you enter your information and it does it just goes into the fraudster's hands. Then they have all of your information. So you just really have to be diligent about making sure it's a legitimate website, making sure it's secure, and making sure you're trusting the person that you're giving that information to. Hmm. The IRS will never call you. Um, you know, they're not going to call you and say, hey, your taxes are due. Um, they aren't texting and leaving voicemails saying, call us now or we're going to arrest you. Um, we get calls and hmm. reports of this stuff nonstop, but hmm. it's that's just not how it works. Yeah, well said. That's well said. We've talked a great deal about the digital environment, text, email, website. We've talked about the phone. Um, are fraudsters attempting anything like old school mail? Like, are they mailing things? Like, are, are, are there any awares or alerts to be on the lookout with actual mail? John, anything there? Yeah, for sure. So I mentioned earlier, you know, last year there was a rash of break-ins of mm-hmm. the postal boxes. So, you know, anytime you can do something digitally and it's a secure website, it's most definitely more secure than putting it in, you know, we call it the snail mail, Hmm. Um, but putting it in the the postal service and leaving it up to be handled by 1,700 people before it gets to its destination. Because you never know who's going to, who can access that or if it'll ever make it there. You know, Um, I think that's the biggest thing. And also, if you are going somewhere to take your taxes, you know, ensure that that information is secured in a folder or a binder or, you know, an envelope, something where it's not just out in the open. Um, so that way, bad actor can't get hmm. that information, even, you know, while you run into the grocery store and your tax return sitting in the front seat. So hmm. I would say those are the biggest things. That's good. That's good. Man, this has been a uh, super helpful conversation and, and really valuable and timely for members as they're preparing taxes, beginning to think about tax returns, uh, refund checks, the whole thing. Um, but if you had to summarize the last several points of the conversation in three main takeaways or three main tips for members to walk away from after this conversation, what would you say? Erica, let's start with you. Okay. Well, fraud can happen at any time, and it does. Um, Schemers capitalize on relevancy to make their con more believable, Mm. and tax season is no exception. Mm. 
unfortunately, but it's not. Yeah, you're right. Um, John, how about you, number two? So I would say just protecting your information, you know, that secure it, whether it's either digitally or if it's physical, you know, always making sure that you are cautious of your personal identifiable information and who you give it to hmm. and, you know, how how you're using it, whether it's online or if you are going to mail something, you know, just be just be secure in it. Yeah, well said. Erica, number three, round us out here. Go with reputable mm-hmm. filers. Be diligent in your research when choosing who you trust to file your taxes. Hmm. Yeah, and that's all all the pieces we said about verifying, going to their website directly, understanding mm-hmm. reviews. Yeah, super helpful. John, if folks, uh, even after these three takeaways, have questions, they're concerned, they've encountered an issue that they may feel suspect about, what what where would you direct people? I would direct people to the irs.gov website. They have so many different links and different areas that they touch on. They have scams out there that they're, they've they seen hmm. that people have done. So they have like a top 10 hmm. of things they're seeing. So if something seems off, you can be like, oh, hey, has ever, anybody ever, you know, felt this? They have emails that you can email the, the phishing attempts to. They have all that type of stuff. And then obviously, you know, if something feels off and it's dealing with your finances and your Community America account, you know, you can always call our call center and our member service team will be there to help you. Erica, any closing comments? You know, I would just say verify, verify, verify. Mm. Um, you know, you have to you have to be able to trust people when you're giving them your personal information, um, especially when they're doing yeah. your taxes, because you're giving them all of your personal information. Literally everything. Right. Yeah. So just always verify. Um, make sure that person is legitimate. Make sure the website's legitimate. Always verify. Yeah, well said. John, Erica, thank you all. How do you feel? Appreciate you coming in and being part of the conversation today. It was good. Glad to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you all for listening to another edition of the Community Conversation presented by Community America Credit Union. And until next time, we'll talk soon. Take care. This podcast is brought to you by Community America Credit Union. This recording is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to replace the advice of a loan representative or financial advisor. The examples provided are for illustration purposes only and may not apply to your situation. Since every situation is different, we recommend speaking to a loan representative or financial advisor regarding your specific needs. All loans are subject to approval. You may also want to contact your tax advisor for additional tax implications. Any reference to third-party websites are provided for information purposes only and are not endorsed by Community America. Community America is an equal housing lender. Please visit communityamerica.com to learn more about how we can assist you in achieving your financial peace of mind.